Go ahead, be turning to uh, Romans, the book of Romans. Romans, the first chapter. Are you excited about going through the book of Romans? I hope you are. Uh, because we should be. And we're just laying the foundation in these first 17 verses, that, and I've talked about it, because <laughs> and I'm going to talk about it in a few minutes. A after verse 17, Paul is just going to keep going over and over and over and over everything he's talked about in these first 17 verses. Driving it home all the more. Talking about the righteousness of God, and the glory of God. And, and if, if we can but get a tiny grasp of the book of Romans, man, it, it, it would just, it would be so uplifting and wonderful for our Christian walk if we could just, so, so may the Holy Spirit just give us a, a glimpse and, and be our teacher this morning. Uh, Romans first chapter, I want to read from verse 14 through 17 one more time. It's the Apostle Paul. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and unwise. So as much as, in, as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. So let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we just pray that you would help us even now to, to speak truth and just let your word speak. So Father, guard my heart, guard my tongue. And as I've said, Holy Spirit, be our teacher. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So uh, last week we looked at Paul's declaration, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. See, this gospel is the power of God to salvation. The Lord is my salvation, we just sang. The power of God to save everyone who believes. And we've talked about this, to save from what? And, and I understand, we could say uh, to, to save from sin. Yes, we could say that. To, to save from from guilt, yes, we could say that. To save from shame, yes, we, we, could, we could say yes to that. And save from a multitude of things, but mainly saved from the wrath of God. And, and I believe it's important to point that out because apart from Christ, we are all nothing but sinners in the hands of an angry God. And perhaps that's not a popular message for today. But it's true, is it not? Apart from Christ, we are all nothing but sinners in the hands of an angry God. And, and I can make that statement, and I can, I can almost hear someone saying, but, but preacher, but preacher, tell us about the love of God. But, but God is love, but God is God. Yes, God is love. God so loved the world, that He provided a way that we might escape His wrath. That's love. 
That's love. God provided a way that we might enter into everlasting life and eternal joy in His presence. That, that's love. He, he provided a way that we might be justified, that we might be made acceptable, that we might be made above reproach and righteous in His sight. And that's love. Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. But God demonstrates His own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, now let me pause there for a minute. This is a demonstration of God's love in sending Christ to die on the cross. It is. So that we might escape His wrath. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And again, saved from what? Saved from wrath. Jesus spoke of this. We read this verse last Sunday, Matthew 25, verse 46. And these will go away into everlasting punishment. And this is talking about the unbelievers. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. See, those who have believed and received Jesus Christ, believe the gospel, those who have been transformed by the power of God, receive righteousness unto eternal life, but unbelievers receive wrath, receive everlasting punishment. Do we have a reason to witness and tell others about Christ? Do we have enough compassion that if we know we have friends and family who are lost, that, that we would put aside the shame of trying to witness because they may speak ill of us and speak in any way? I am not ashamed of the gospel. Let them know of the wrath to come, that they may flee the wrath to come. I see us coming together, even right now, to be equipped, and that as individuals we can go out, and if there's something there that we should be doing collectively, uh, let, let us be praying about that, and, and let us seek the Lord, and, and what that would look like, and what that would be, and, and that it would be more than what the Jehovah's Witness do, that it would be more than what Mormons do, that it would be more than. And, and, and in light of that, it's, you know, I keep coming back to, uh, people may say uh, individual evangelism or friendship evangelism. If, if we would all have the boldness to speak to those we come into contact with, whether it's friends, family, whether it's whoever we're standing next to at the checkout, at the grocery store, or at the gas station, or, or wherever it may be, and, and in this community, and if, if we should be and need to be doing more of an outreach type of thing, uh, let's, let us pray collectively of, of what that may be. But I, I pray that we would all be encouraged of heart, convicted of heart, to speak out. And, and you know, I, I, the Apostle Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. To not be ashamed to speak. And that's... That's for all of us, for every individual. And 
and, and that we would do that, that we would pray. And, and anytime anybody has something that the Lord's laying on your heart, because this isn't just all me, uh, I can't do it all. And, and it takes us all. We're, the Lord put us together to work as a, as a group and as a congregation. And, and forgive me if I failed in, in many areas. I know I have. But just pray for me and just, just pray. If the Lord lays something on a heart, let us talk. Let's talk together. Let, let's uh, have a get-together. We'll, we'll talk about it and, and look and seek the Lord. Because on this planet, and I know I've talked about it, there's only two groups of people. There's the lost and the saved. There's the believers and the unbelievers. And, and there's the question. Do you believe? And, and there's a question that perhaps you might ask while you're out and about. And we talked uh, Friday night about the, the gentleman that gave out tracts. I forgot the name of the street. Uh, George Street. And the question he asked... I think it was, do you know if you died tonight that you would go to heaven? Is that the question? Are you saved? Are you saved? If you died tonight, are you saved? Do you know where you're going after this? Hey, <laughs> are you bold enough to go up to somebody you don't know and ask that question? Are you bold enough to perhaps have a, uh, a few New Testaments in your back pocket that you may can hand one out and, and perhaps a lift, list of verses or marked in there that they might go to and read? Am I? Ask, are you saved? And, and can you explain what that means, child of God? Can you tell others what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Perhaps take them to a verse like John 3.36. He who believes in the Son, and perhaps this would be a verse to read after you've talked about sin after you've talked about God's wrath after you've talked about God sending his son because he loves and provided a way of escape and asking the question do you believe perhaps read this verse he who believes in the son has everlasting life and say that's that's the everlasting everlasting life I'm talking about and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's that opportunity to talk about saved from what? Verse 13, Romans 10. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then I pray that we would have words that we could say and not just stand there and have them repeat some prayer that's at the back of a track and declare them saved. But to be able to explain to them, if you call on the name of the Lord truly from faith and receive Christ, you will be changed. You'll not be the same. You'll be a new creation in Christ. And you will forsake sin and have a desire to forsake sin and, and to follow Him. And just let them know if there is no change, and just because you said a little prayer, 
Don't think you've got it all together and you're on your way to heaven. Because there will be a change, amen? There has to be. You can't have an encounter with most holy, righteous God and walk away the same as you were. You will become a new creation. Do you believe? And if someone says they, they truly are a believer, ask them about their walk with the Lord. Ask them the question, are you still believing? Romans 2, verses 5 through 10. But in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, impenitent, what's that mean? Well, it means unrepentant. means feeling no shame, feeling no remorse or regret for one's action. It's a picture of an unbeliever. And then what does it say to the unbeliever? But in accordance with your heart, with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up, you are storing up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to each one according to his deeds eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality, but to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish on every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek, but glory, honor, and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first and also the Greek. So am I ashamed of the gospel? Ask yourself, are you ashamed of the gospel? Let's go ahead and challenge all of ourselves. When's the last time you shared the gospel? When's the last time you told somebody about the love of God? When's the last time you told somebody about sin and the wrath of God that is coming? Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So, what makes the gospel of Christ the power of God to salvation? Verse 17 gives us the answer. Verse 17. For in it, in what? In the gospel of Christ. For in it, the righteousness of God, and perhaps better translated, righteousness from God, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. God's righteousness is seen in the cross. Can we say amen to that? God's righteousness is seen in the cross. When God presented Christ the sacrifice of atonement, the payment, the propitiation for sin, He did it to demonstrate His justice and His righteousness. I'll say that again. When God presented Christ the sacrifice for atonement, the payment, the propitiation for sin, He did it to demonstrate His justice and righteousness. Let's go to Romans 3. Romans 3, verse 21 through 26. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. Now let me pause. How is it revealed? Through the gospel of Christ. For in it, the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. We just read that from verse 17. And now here's Paul in chapter 3 going over it again. 
But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood, by whose blood? The blood of Christ, through faith to demonstrate His righteousness. Whose righteousness? God's righteousness, again, verse 17 from chapter 1. For in it, the, the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. Through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith, to demonstrate His righteousness because of His forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Christ. Now, how can a just and righteous God just pass over sins that were previously committed? How could He do that? A, a good, just judge cannot just sweep injustice under the rug, can they? God couldn't just look over sin. Justice must be served. Restitution, payment must be made. None of us could pay the price for the penalty of sin. Far too great a price. We couldn't pay it. God couldn't just overlook it. But He can accept a substitutionary payment. And who is that? It's Christ. But God accepted a substitutionary payment for sin, and that is the blood of Christ. Now, let's go back and remember the last plague that came upon Pharaoh in Egypt. You remember which one it was, right? The the uh, death of the firstborn in the land of Egypt. How were the children of God to be protected and saved? By sacrificing, according to how it was laid out, sacrificing a perfect, unblemished, unspotted lamb. And then taking the blood from that perfect lamb, putting it on the lintel, putting it on the doorposts, and then... When the, the time came for God to pass over, here, let's read just one verse. Uh, it's in Exodus 12. You can read uh, Exodus 11 and 12. Uh, but we're just going to read one verse of, of this moment. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses and strike you. Now, is this not a picture of the blood of Christ? Is this not the types and shadows from the Old Testament uh, talking about that which would come, that, that Jesus Christ one day would be revealed, the perfect Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, to redeem us, to pay the cost, the penalty for sin? that all who believe will be covered by the blood and the destroyer 
will not come to them. When I see the blood. Any of you remember that old hymn? I'll teach it to you if you don't know it. I can remember this when I was a kid singing this song. I didn't really know what it was all about. It's when I see the blood. Put first verse up there. Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. I want to go ahead and do that. Let's just do these verses. I want to go through them. We'll do them all three together, and we'll do the chorus one more time at the end. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save. As he has promised, that will he do. Wash in the fountain, open for sin. And I will pass, will pass over you. Judgment is coming, all will be there. Each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the saving, sin-cleansing blood. And I will pass will pass over you. O great compassion, O boundless love, O loving kindness, faithful and true, find peace and shelter under the blood, and I will pass will pass over you when I see the blood when I see the blood when I see the blood I will pass I will pass over you because someday judgment is coming if you want to put it in the language of exodus the destroyer is coming someday are you covered by the blood of christ and we sing a lot of songs that talks about the blood of christ there was a covering offered in blood you see are you covered by the blood of Christ? The covering of forgiveness for sin. That when the destroyer comes, he will pass over all who are under or beneath the blood of Christ. For all who believe, our debt, our penalty is paid in full. The blood of Christ has washed our ledger clean. Aren't you thankful? See, that, that should make the child of God shout for joy that Jesus paid it all.
1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 21. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, now is Peter not preaching and writing the same message as Paul? Yes, the blood of Christ. Romans 1.17 Romans 1.17, For in it, in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. See, verse 17, I believe is a key verse in the book of Romans, and, and because throughout Romans, Paul will continually defend the righteousness of God. When, when you take everything we're going to be looking at after this, it's Paul defending the righteousness of God and the character of God and the things that God is doing. Uh, John Stott's commentary, let me read. The righteousness of God is God's righteous initiative in putting sinners right with Himself by bestowing on them a righteousness which is not their own but His. The righteousness of God is God's just justification of the unjust. I like how he worded that. The righteousness of God is God's just justification of the unjust. His way of pronouncing the unrighteous righteous, in which he both demonstrates his righteousness and gives righteousness to us. He has done it through Christ, the righteous one, who died for the unrighteous, and he does it by faith when we put our trust in him and cry to him for mercy, end quote. And I want to read uh, from John Piper. The answer of verse 17 is this. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes because in it, that is in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Now here is the puzzle. How can this be good news when the righteousness of God is our problem? Now, I'm going to pause there. We're going to think about this for a minute. How can this be good news when the righteousness of God is our problem? The, the fact that God is righteous and I am unrighteous is the problem. That's a problem for every sinner. The problem is God is righteous. We are not. That, that's everyone's problem, isn't it? His wrath is being revealed against the unrighteousness of man. Uh, Romans uh, 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And so, God is righteous, we are not. That's a problem. Let me continue. Martin Luther said he hated Romans 117, 
before he figured this out. He wrote, this is Martin Luther, I had been captivated with an extraordinary zeal for understanding Paul in the epistle to the Romans, but a single word in chapter 1, in it the righteousness of God is revealed, stood in my way, for I hated that word righteousness of God, which I had been taught to understand is the righteousness with which God punishes the unrighteous sinner. Because that's verse 18 right there. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Luther knew he was unrighteous. He had a problem. Let me continue. So how is this good news? This is Piper. So how is this good news? That the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel? Here's the answer. God demands righteousness and we don't have it. So the only hope for us is that God himself would give the righteousness that he demands. That would be good news. And, and that is good news. See, there's the good news. That would be the gospel. And that is what he does. What, a re, what is revealed in the gospel is the righteousness of God for us that he demands from us. The reason the gospel is the power of God for salvation, the way that the gospel saves believers, is that in it, God reveals a righteousness for us that God demands from us. What we have to have but could not create or supply or perform, God freely gives us. Namely, his own righteousness, the righteousness of God. The only hope for us is that God himself would give the, un give the righteousness he demands. This is how God saves us from the wrath of God. End quote. And I, I thought that was put very well. That, that God demanded from us that which we could not provide for ourselves. And so he gives us that which he demands from us. He offers salvation. For all who believe, we are given a righteousness that is not of our own, a righteousness that is not of our own doing, but a righteousness of another. Uh, Titus 3, verses 4 through 7. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through. Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And then Paul talks about it again in Philippians 3. Philippians 3, verses 7 through 11. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So here's Paul and Philippians. 
Same message as to the Romans. It's a righteousness not of my own, but of the Lord. And he talks about it more in, in Romans 10. So let's go to Romans 10, first four verses. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. No one could perfectly keep the law. No one can. Except Jesus Christ. It says Christ is the end of the law. Did Christ come to destroy the law? No. He came to do what? To fulfill it. And now Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now let's go to Galatians 3. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now in Galatians 3 verses 10 through 14. For as many as are of the works of the law, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Curses everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now let me pause there. They're trying to keep the law to be righteous. They can't do it. They can't do it. And so they're cursed. They can't perfectly keep it. And, th and they, they must. They must. Verse 11. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Uh, but, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. You can't be justified by the law because no one can keep it. Verse 12. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. The just shall live by what? Faith. Faith, faith, Romans 1, 17, one more time. For in it, for in the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And we just read that from uh, Paul's writing in Galatians 3. And, and he talks about it. I, there's one more time that he repeats those same words. I didn't write the reference down. And every time he is referencing the book of Habakkuk, that's what he's talking about when he says the just shall live by faith. Here, we'll just read uh, one verse from Habakkuk uh, 2 verse 4. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Now, what's he talking about? Remember what's happening here. Uh, Habakkuk had questioned God in regard to God using the Babylonians to punish Israel. In other words, he's asking, God, how could you do this? How could you send the wicked 
to punish us. And in Habakkuk, God has answered from there in verse 4. Uh, the Lord is saying, the proud Babylonians in my timing will fall. They're not upright and they will fall. But the righteous Israelite is to live by faith. So what does Paul mean when he says from faith to faith? For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And perhaps as you've read this or read about it, and you've, you've got in my, your mind what you think that is, and there's several possibilities of what this means. And so here I'm going to give you what my understanding is of it as of today. The believer begins with faith. Can I say that? For by grace you are saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. That faith is a gift of God. And, and so we begin with faith that God gives. That's how we begin. Faith. So we begin in faith, and then we are called to walk by faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And so we, we begin in faith. We're called in our time while we're here on this earth to walk by faith. And to walk by faith, that would be living uh, according to His Word, trusting the Word of God, and being obedient to His will. Walk by faith. And then I believe, for the true believer, one day our faith will be made sight. As the old hymn, It is well said. And I think it's the last verse of It is well. And Lord, haste the day. When my faith shall be sight, the clouds be rolled back as a scroll, the trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend, even so. It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. And so the born-again believer, those who are covered by the blood of Christ, who have received the gospel, have received Christ, can live faith to faith. Having begun in faith, having persevering in faith, walking in faith, and having someday to be glorified and brought together with Him, our faith becoming sight in His presence. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks for Your Word. And may it convict us. May it encourage us. May it, may it give us better understanding of, of who You are and of what You have done on our behalf in sending Christ 
to give himself on the cross that we might live. So Father, I pray that anyone that would be under the hearing of this message today, whether it is now or later, that if they are yet lost in their sin, that you would open their eyes to truth, that you would help them to see that they are unrighteous in the presence of a righteous God and they have a problem. And Lord, help them to see that in your great love that you sent Christ to be our propitiation, to be the payment for sin that we could not pay of ourselves. And that through Christ and through the gospel, you have provided a righteousness that we could not provide for ourselves. So Lord, we give you thanks. Because we know that apart from Christ, we would still be sinners in the hands of an angry God and under your wrath. So Father, open eyes to see truth. Help us, Lord, to know how to speak truth in love. Help us to be sensitive to the moving of the Holy Spirit in our hearts in regard to witnessing, in regard to everything in life. That everything we would do would be for your honor and your glory. So Lord, help us that we may walk by faith, looking to you, trusting you, and following you. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen.